Welcome to another ATP podcast. I'm Seb Lozier and we are creeping ever closer now to the final Grand Slam of the year, the US Open. The Western and Southern Open in Cincinnati has been providing a very good form guide over the past week or so and over the next 30 minutes we'll hear from former US Open champion Daniel Medvedev, also Stefanos Tsitsipas, Matteo Berrettini and Ben Shelton. Cincinnati tournament director Todd Martin reveals why he thinks his time coaching Novak Djokovic ended in failure. That's very interesting. And talking of the great Serb, it was another stunning week in Cincinnati as he beat Carlos Alcaraz to take his third title there and extend his record number of Masters 1000 titles to 39. It also means he's now won all the Masters three times, with the exception of Monte Carlo. That is pretty incredible too. This was his first competitive tennis since losing to Alcaraz in the Wimbledon final. So how was he able to peak so quickly, especially in these conditions? I guess no nothing can really substitute the, the training. Um, for hot and you know uh, humid conditions uh, when it's really warm obviously on the hard court the heat is absorbed in the actual surface so the subjective feeling i guess on the court is uh, you know probably 10 to 20 celsius degrees higher than actually is outside of the court so you have to deal with all these different things uh, but you train for that you know you try to train in a similar conditions in Europe, back in Europe where I was training, obviously it's summertime, it's very hot. So you train during the day and try to get yourself in a proper condition physically to sustain the heat uh, and, and all the obstacles and challenges that are presented. Yeah, but sometimes it can be a lot, it can be really overwhelming. And it's, and it's important to obviously have the good recovery uh, and good preparation and kind of a balance between the two to get yourself uh, mind, body and, and soul in the, in the right state uh, that, that you want for performance. One man who knows Djokovic better than most is his former coach, the current Western and Southern Open tournament director, Todd Martin. Yeah, so he was 22 when I started right. working with him um, and nowhere near as mature as he is, uh, as he is now. He had every bit of talent to do what he's doing. Um, however, my imagination could have never gone to where, um, where he has taken himself. Novak, uh, he's had a couple of stretches, long, long, long stretches, where I, th I don't think anybody has ever been more difficult to beat. And Well, he defends better than anybody else. Um, he's got a mind when he's focused that I think is impenetrable um, and he demonstrates that and he, he has been able to do what he's done without um, sort of the flair of Roger Federer or the um, you know sort of the, the brute force of Rafa. I think when people watch them the common fan can see something, can sense something and I, nothing to take away from those two, but when Novak is right, I just, I, he is, it's not that he can hit everybody off the court, it's just nobody can solve that puzzle. And I find that to be the greatest indication of being a special, special athlete. 
but when I would, you know, going back to when I was coaching him, he was not focused. He was third in the world and didn't like having to play in the same generation as Roger and Rafa. And he eventually, you know, sort of swept that off of his shoulder and focused. And, um, and he's proven to himself and the world just how special of an athlete he is. What, what did you bring to his game, do you, felt, do you feel like? I don't think I was with him long enough to um, have real impact and to um, not to take it all on myself. Um, I don't think Novak was ready to open his mind to concepts, and, um, but it also wasn't very long afterwards where, um, uh, where, he, where he clearly did. He took, in my, my estimation, he took really good control of his life, responsibility for his relationships. The whole world revolves around him. So if, if he's not in control, he's gonna get pulled in a million directions. And that's what I witnessed when I was coaching him. That doesn't, that clearly doesn't happen anymore. Um, so maybe if anything else, I was, you know, the, his time of last failure of controlling the processes around him. And, um, um, and, I, and, and I, you know, I saw, I spent some time with him yesterday it, it, he's, you know, he's a much different human. We're all different at 35, 36 than when we were, when, when, when we're 22. But he's, you know, he's, he, he's got things in perspective. He understands who he is. He's true to that. Uh, and I think that just makes his performance on the court even better. And what do you feel like you gained from the coaching experience? I, um, well, it was, it, one, I mean, I... I, the, the thing I go to first is I spent a, a significant amount of time with cultures that I had never really dived into. His agent was Israeli. His uh, uh, strength and conditioning coach uh, was Austrian. His um, uh, massage therapist was Slovenian, Novak Serbian. His uh, traveling coach, Marian Vida, Slovakian. So trying to navigate that many different cultures and especially from Eastern Europe uh, was really, I mean, I, f I found it to be another, another diplomatic um, opportunity for me and that's always been probably on the stronger side of my skills. But, um, and also organizational leadership more than anything else. So organizational leadership, even though it was a, it's a small team, but it was the expectation that I was the leader of that. And I don't feel like I took good enough, strong enough hold of that operation. And those cultures probably needed me to come in and flex more muscle, and that's not, that's not my style. So in sense, it informs what do you select, what do you choose to do, and, and then how do you need to behave in order to be effective in, in the role. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. There was no great cause for celebration on the court this week for the number four seed Stefano Tsitsipas, but plenty off it as he turned the grand old age of 25. When Paul King sat down with the Greek, he was in reflective mood. It's just another day for me being alive and 
taking everything in of uh, where I am right now and what I'm doing. Never thought that my, my birthday would uh, fall during the week of Cincinnati when I was a little kid, but now it's something that I have embraced and it's, it's part of my every, um, every year routine, let's say. Uh, and I'm, I'm starting to like this place a lot. Um, I've, I've built some good memories here. Um, I feel older, obviously. <laughs> I feel wiser. I feel uh, much happier than I was a few years ago in terms of uh, do, being out here and, and doing what I love. I, I really feel like uh, this has become my home. Tennis and traveling and being on the tour is, is my new home base. And I have kind of acclimatized to it in a much better sense and way and um, embraced every single bit of it. And you personally, you've, you've mentioned recently that you feel more calm and, and tranquil on court. What do you mean by that? And, and, and how has that sort of developed over, over the last few months? Well, you know, certain people bring certain energies into the game. Uh, everyone has their own style and way of how they coach, how they do things. You know, I, at times I felt like I haven't been able to think for myself and uh, decide what's best for me. And I think that allows me a little bit to, uh, to really understand uh, uh, what works best for me during a difficult, tough match. Uh, having that tranquility sometimes uh, helps me be a little bit more, uh, more clear of, of, of the visual that I'm going to, um, of the visual in terms of uh, tactical tennis and, you know, uh, and how I'm going to approach the next few points. These are small minor details that um, eventually do make a difference, I think, in anyone's game. Um, and I just, feel like much more like myself to be honest I, I feel really like uh, I'm able to uh, go out there and and play carefree play just the way I want it to be done. Coaching wise back again with, with Mark Philippoussis what does Mark sort of bring to you and how much help does it have you know a guy with so much success on the pro tour? Well Mark is my second father you know we haven't spent a lot of years together but I already get that sensation and feeling that uh, he's He's not just my, there to coach me and, and to, to give me tips on the tennis court, but he's uh, more of a, uh, a role model for me and, and someone that can um, replicate the work of my father in, in every sense. And um, he's uh, a very loyal and, uh, and, uh, and very uh, authentic in, in the way he approaches things. So I really like that about him. Uh, I like how how simple it is in his delivery and, and the way we are able to communicate through hardships and, and, uh, and failures and you know, kind of fight back through it, uh, get back together stronger. Uh, these are the type of people that I'm uh, seeking for in my life. Mark Philippoussis, a US Open runner-up. 25 years ago, can he inspire Stefanos to similar things over the next few weeks? Although Tsitsipas fell early in Cincinnati, he did beat Ben Shelton in the second round. The American disappointed, but he did find time to grab a quick bite to eat and talk food with the team from ATP Uncovered. Hi, this is Ben Shelton, and this is what I eat. My relationship with food is definitely a, a love-love relationship. <laughs> I love food, sometimes a little too much. I'm a big eater, I can definitely take down a lot of food. My diet has definitely changed a lot um, from when I was a kid. Uh, growing up and uh, playing football, I, I basically just ate everything in sight. I and mean, then the goal was to get as big as possible, so changing to a sport like tennis, which requires more finesse and uh, Footwork and uh, longevity is, is a big part of the sport. I've definitely had to change my diet and, and eat cleaner and, and eat less food. Typical day for me, it's, 
It's definitely eggs, bacon, some potatoes, water, and sometimes orange juice. Sometimes on an off day, I won't eat breakfast if I'm not training, uh, just because when I wake up, I'm, I'm not normally hungry. It's more of like a fuel meal than like a I need to eat meal. Lunch. <laughs> when I'm home, it's typically rice, uh, chicken, and, and a vegetable, usually drinking water. I'm pretty simple. And when I'm on the road, I'll, I'll kind of eat anything that they have in the, uh, in the player dining area. I, I like having pasta for lunch, pasta with chicken, and uh, I'll also eat sandwiches. I think the tournament so far this year that I've been to that's had the best food is definitely Australia. Um, I really enjoyed the food there, so uh, definitely excited to get back to that. Food tastes better when you're winning too? <laughs> maybe. Maybe I was just there for a longer time, so I, I got to explore all the options. Food's tasting better every day. I just keep winning. Um, I'd say that my favorite food on like a on a cheat meal type of day, my go-to would be Mexican. Uh, I really like Mexican food. Fan of chips and guac, chips and queso, anything that, that has chips with it, I'll eat it. I'd look for a, a more traditional, hole-in-the-wall Mexican place. Uh, I'll definitely eat Chipotle maybe for, for a lunch um, or something quick, but that's definitely not my favorite type of Mexican. I, I look for those uh, smaller hole-in-the-wall places. I'm not too picky. I'll eat anything. I like to be able to sit down and, and hang out a little bit. I like Japanese food a lot. Also, any Italian place with a good pasta gets the job done. Big title, big match, post-tournament. You're having a big cheat meal. How bad does it get? Big title, we're going to Nobu and we're ordering the whole menu. Do you have a go-to order there? Everything there is good. I'll eat any of the sushi rolls, miso cod. I mean, it, it's, it's one of my favorite restaurants, so. So I'll pretty much eat anything there. Any type of bar, protein bar, granola bar, uh, I'm not too picky. And then I like uh, eating bananas when I'm on court during my matches as well. It's really important um, for me that it's, it's not all about counting calories because it's good to eat a lot with, with how much that we're training as tennis players. And if you can just keep it clean, um, then you can eat as much as you, you want if you're uh, if you're eating good things that are healthy. So I think that's something that's really been important for me. I'm not too much worried about the volume of food that I eat, but just uh, how clean the food is that I put in my body. Ben Shelton there, and his was one of the first names that came up when Jill Krabus sat down with fellow podcast presenter Chris Bowers to discuss college tennis and its importance to America's top players. I get this question a lot from from college, and I think it it very it is very individualistic. I've talked to a couple of the guys that have said um, they wouldn't change that college experience at all. I mean, Austin Krychek was the one that said it in Queens, where he was like he felt like that's where he felt like he was able to mature the most to make him prepared when he had to transition to the tour. Um, but people mature earlier. People don't necessarily feel like they might need that. Um, ben Shelton's another one that went to college. And I spoke to his father last week, and he kind of wished Ben had gone another year to college. But he did so well that Ben was, of course, excited because he saw the success and felt ready. So I think I think it's hard. It's a hard question to answer. I think um, colleges are giving a lot of these athletes good opportunities to go to college for a year, see how you like it, and then you can go back and get your education whenever you want to. And to me, that is such a good opportunity to take advantage of because 
college for me was one where you learn so much about yourself. It's the first time for most people that you're on your own. You have to balance athletics with studies, and that's not the easiest thing to do. You're traveling when you're supposed to be in school taking a test, and you have to figure out how to take it on the road. I mean, it's really not easy. It's it's tough, and I think you learn a lot about yourself in college, but it depends on the individual. I mean, there are universities around the world, great academic institutions, yet it's only the American university system that actually offers a route for athletes. What's different about American universities in terms of what they offer to athletes compared with the rest of the world? Um, I, th- it, I think you you just get so, I mean, everything is taken care of. You just get so much. You have not only um, the facilities, you have the physios, the trainers, the fitness, you're congregating with all the other athletes in the school. So it's just, it's that excitement. And I think collegiate sports in the U.S. are so exciting. People get so into it. There are some people that like college sports more than pro sports sometimes because just the camaraderie they get behind the school, they get behind the mascot, they get behind everything. And I think a lot of parents realize that that's where you learn so much about yourself. So I don't know, there's just this sensation and feeling and especially in a sport like tennis where it's so individual, it's your opportunity to be a part of a team, to become part of something that tennis doesn't offer that much during the calendar year. So I think it's just such a good opportunity to have that experience. Jill Krabus, like Ben Shelton, a product of the University of Florida. And Jill will be joining Chris Bowers over the coming weeks as they bring you a series of podcasts from the US Open. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. Speaking of the US Open, time now to hear from a former champion, Daniel Medvedev, who in 2021 famously celebrated by copying his favourite FIFA video game, Celebration. It's a moment he chose when he was answering fans' questions put to him by ATP Uncovered. So I'm answering which was the coolest trophy in my opinion. I would go with Los Cabos just because it was feeling like I won the World Cup. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, I like I like all of them. Uh, they are all different. They are all uh, special. But Los Cabos was a lot of fun because, as I say, it was kind of I won soccer tournament. I guess I just won the World Cup, no? What game are you playing currently or played the last time? I'm playing a lot Rainbow Six Siege and it's a really cool game and I'm playing it since like seven years and I'm playing a lot and I'm really good at it. And now I'm going to be playing Rainbow Six with the devs. What's your phone lock screen? Let me see. <laughs> it's a photo I took but I don't even remember where was it but just with a beach and the sea or an ocean. Uh, is that, is that uh, Acapulco? Mm, it might be, actually. What a guess. I think it is. I'm just taking a wild guess. <laughs> I think it's either Maldives or, or Acapulco, and I actually think it was Acapulco. That's crazy, that's a nice guess. What's going to be your celebration when you win your next Grand Slam? You're going to see, guys, it's going to be interesting. No, I don't prepare it like this, but uh, Hopefully I can show it uh, uh, at least one more time in my career or maybe more. <laughs> it's hard to top the first one though. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be hard. Favorite marshmallow song? I really like Keep It Mellow because it was like the, one of the first ones I heard. Uh, I like the numb one, but yeah, I like a lot of his songs. Are you a big marshmallow fan? 
Uh, yeah, I like the, the concept that uh, he can be super famous without getting uh, recognized. Uh, that's, uh, that's a nice concept. Current favorite F1 driver. I don't think I have one favorite uh, yet. I just like watching it and probably maybe Charles Leclerc, but I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would love to, to, to watch some races, but sometimes with tennis it's not easy to find time with all the practices, tournaments, but for sure uh, I love the sound and everything, yeah. My favorite Medvedev meme. I know I like the uh, uh, GIF, I don't know, GIF, how yeah, you say GIF. it in, uh, in English. Yeah, the GIFs, uh, they seem pretty funny. Do you have a favorite GIF? The US Open one when I danced was pretty good because that's probably my, my best dance move I have ever done in my life. That might be all of them. Oh, that's it. You don't need the microphone, though. No? Uh, yeah, you can get him give it back to me. You don't need it for this. Before I forget, you walk away with it. Cool. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks, Always fun. And to watch that feature and some of those celebrations, you will find it on the ATP YouTube channel. Go there and search Daniel Medvedev Answers Fans Questions. Finally this week, a man who reached the US Open semifinals in 2019 and has had to battle countless injuries since then. But Matteo Berrettini is feeling healthy again as he told Jill Krabus. Yeah, yeah, way better, way better. You know, obviously it takes time to get to the best level, you know, but uh, also it's a, sport, it's a sport and it mat need matches, you know, like to get to the best shape. But uh, the first step is done. Uh, I'm healthy, I'm happy, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying my tennis. And uh, that's the most important thing. That's the thing that I miss the most. So I'm here and yeah, let's see. Has it taught you at all how to maybe manage your body or manage your mind in, in a different way? Did you learn something from that? Yes or no. In a way, like uh, injuries are always tough, you know, like uh, unfortunately in my career I had many and uh, every time I thought, okay, I'm never going to make it and then uh, I made it and then uh, you kind of like learn how to react and sometimes I, what I learned for sure is that you have to be in the darkness and like in a little bit like you, in a way that you have to feel sad, you know, like uh, it, it's it's tough to say I don't care about this you know like you sometimes you just want to escape the pain of not playing for example or not yeah not competing and say okay but you know I have great things in my life which is true but at the same time you, you have to admit that you care about that and I think only like suffering a little bit like really feeling what makes you feel sad then helps you to get better and get you know like back on track and uh, it's it's tricky, but it's I, I think for me at least it's it's needed. Yeah, that's interesting because you are you saying you almost didn't want to allow yourself to go there, but then you decided to, and now you've come out even stronger. Would you say? Yeah, because at, at the beginning you 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 think okay, I don't want to go like I don't want to feel too too sad. You know, like affects me, affects the people around me, and my life it's great you know like i have a great family great girlfriend like i i enjoy you know like uh, what i do and this is part of my career getting injured is part of you know professional athletes they do that unfortunately but at the same time you have to kind of like really dive into it in order to get better stronger and it, it's not easy you know like it's not easy because you have to be in the kind of like i always say you have to be in the sadness you have to be sad in order to get to find the energy to get out of that feeling. So uh, yeah, you have to recognize that and somehow every time is different. What happened, like what worked out pretty well the previous time that doesn't work for the next time. So you have always have to learn about yourself, but I guess this, this is life. 
You mentioned your family and your girlfriend and also your coach who's been around for a long time since you were such a young kid. Having that stability, is that something that was huge for you in, in, that, in that moment? Definitely, definitely. Uh, first of all, like, you know, obviously the family that the, uh, the, they are the ones that made all of this possible, you know, like they were bringing me everywhere. They were bringing me to practice, you know, taking me to the tournaments where we were kids. They weren't having, you know, holidays because they wanted us like to, to play tournaments. So thanks to them, I, I became a tennis player and having them, it's, you know, everything for me. And then obviously a coach that it's coach slash like uncle, I would say, you know, like it's someone of the family because uh, I met him when I was 14. It's been a long time and he knows me better than anyone, I think. And, you know, we just need like a click and like a sight and we understand what's going on. And obviously, yeah, love is important in life as well. And shifting to the present moment, obviously very healthy. Um, you had that run at Wimbledon that I think, you know, meant a lot to you. How were you surprised by that? And obviously now just the way that you're feeling that it happened so quickly with what you went through. Yeah, um, I didn't expect that, you know, like I went there just uh, thinking and wanting like to play. I just wanted to play. It didn't matter how many matches, you know, like I was missing the competition. The Most of all, like the good feelings about tennis. So the fact, you know, like that uh, you fight, you you kind of earn something. And this year was I, I put a lot of work on and like on, on my legs, on my, you know, like my body. But then I didn't get back, you know, any rewards. And I tell I told my team before the tournament, I just want to get one nice feeling about it. And and thanks to that thought, I think I got to the fourth round. I, I had a, a great run. And obviously then uh, now it's a different surface, a different, you know, like country, different continent. But I'm here. And then uh, obviously US Open is coming up. So, yeah, hopefully a good run there as well. You, me you mentioned the adjustments, which is interesting because you do have a lot of experience now. Um, but it, does it still feel like you have to make adjustments when you go to different continent, different surface? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It uh, doesn't matter how many times you did it. Uh, probably what you learn, I mean, at least what I learned is that you're a little bit more patient. You know, like you know it's going to come somehow, some like somewhere you're going to feel like better. Uh, sometimes, you, for example, I came from Toronto and here the conditions are completely different. And, I, and the first thought was like, oh, how am I going to do it? You know, like, but then I know that few, you need a few days and then you're going to feel good again. It's, uh, it's just part of the process. Uh, the time difference when you come from Europe, the, everything that, you know, like kind of like needs time sometimes to adjust. It's uh, what we do best, I think, as tennis players. Every week, every day is different. Today is a different day compared to yesterday. So you have to learn to do that. And the ones that does it, you know, like the best level, I think they're the best players in the world. Are you someone that puts expectations on your shoulders or you just kind of go day in, day out? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, I have big shoulders, so <laughs> I put a lot of weight on my shoulders. But I think it's part of what we are, you know, like... Uh, having that feeling that you always have to have something better or more you know like it's if i think about myself when i started doing this you know doing this i i was thinking a top 100 would have been like a, a great achievement you know and then uh when i was there i was like i'm not i'm hungry so it's always like this in, in a way it's kind of sad because you're never really happy but so you have to learn how to be happy and you know appreciate what you have but at the same time it's it's good to have the fire to to kind of like push yourself forward and 
achieve more, I guess. That's great, yeah. <laughs> I, I wanna ask one more question because your Netflix series or show episode yep. that I watched, there was one a quote that you said that stood out to me significantly that I've wanted to ask you. And it was when you were playing Nadal and you said, I was too happy to be there. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah, what, can you, I mean, I kind of have an idea, but can you explain a little bit what, what that meant to you? So first of all, it was a great tournament, uh, semifinals in, you know, in the Grand Slam playing Rafa. It's, uh, you know, a dream coming true, even though I already did it in the past. But, you know, uh, every time it was the same feeling. And, uh, and I, was, uh, I was really happy because I felt like I had my chances. I felt like I was playing really good and uh, I could have beaten him. And uh, at the same time, I stepped on the court. I didn't have, I think, this, the right amount of fear. You know, like when you're playing a player that it's um, that is so good, like Rafa, you kind of like. Um, I'm not saying that you had nothing to lose, but at the same time, I was kind of like respecting him, like maybe too much, you know. And I and I step on the court, and I was like, okay, let's see. I think I got my chances. I, I didn't prepare. I think I I got on court, and I wasn't prepared for the fight. I was like, okay, let's enjoy this, and most of the time doesn't work well for me that, that kind of like uh, approach and that's why I think the, the match switched and, and changed in the third set because I kind of felt okay now I'm gonna get killed I don't want that <laughs> and the fear kicked in and then I started to play better and better but obviously he was he was better than me and you learned from that now have you shifted yeah. anything mentally from that moment yeah yeah definitely definitely uh, even the matches that I I played against you know the best guys in in the world. I I completely. I mean I. It's not that I changed myself too much, but I obviously learned from that experience, and uh, and now I know that I have to step on court like I'm playing against someone that uh, uh, if I lose it, it's something bad. So you know I have the kind of fear, which is not really enjoyable as a feeling, but for the. For the performance is way better so yeah you have to it's all about balance in life like in life and tennis everything we have such a, a great perspective and um, we're so happy to have you back thank so you. best thank of luck you. i appreciate it thank you so that is it for this time join chris bowers and jill Kravis over the coming weeks from the us open and to keep on top of all the news results and latest video content head to atptour.com i'm seb lozier thanks for listening enjoy the tennis 